0: I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight we, we, so as our Facebook participants know, we had released two back-to-back episodes because we were actually going on vacation to Japan. And for those who don't appreciate that, and I could see the numbers, so <laughs> I know it's a thing. I don't have any current plans for another holiday for quite some time. But I wanted to share our experiences with my listeners regarding Okinawa and some traveling tidbits for Japan. Things to kind of be aware of. And that's the thing about traveling and being in these places. You become familiar with some of the ins and outs of their culture You become familiar with some of the things, some of their practices and their countries, and you just get an overall essence of an idea of what to expect. Now, I have traveled to Europe multiple times. Japan is the first time I've ever gone further than Hawaii. Hawaii was beautiful. And it was definitely an experience. I Was very fortunate enough to have my sons treat the tickets. And off, husband Jeff and I went with my sons. Now, this was a split vacation. My son is currently in Okinawa. And so we spent the bulk of our time in Okinawa. But we took a flight back to Tokyo where we spent approximately four and a half days in Tokyo. But one day was travel. Another was we were visiting the suicide forest area, which I'll get into. And we spent a couple of days at Disney Tokyo Sea and Disneyland Tokyo. And then we came home. So... For this episode, I want to talk about Okinawa, share some (sighs) just some interesting tidbits of the Japanese culture and, you know, just kind of what worked for me, what didn't really work for me, and a few tips about if you are considering going, what I would recommend in regards to the two Disneyland parks. So let's start with Okinawa. Okinawa is one of Japan's southern islands. They have an extensive amount of islands in that area. And as my listeners know, you know, the United States and Japan were at war with each other. The, J- the Japanese were part of the Axis powers and the United States was part of the Allies. And it was the Japanese that brought us into World War II with the bombing of Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. And while we were pretty secure by 1945 that the Nazis were basically done for, when it came to the Japanese and the Pacific Theater, that was a very difficult and... uh, tumultuous scenario for the United States. We were the main uh, ally force present there and the type of fighting and how the, you know, the Japanese were prepared to do certain things was not something Westerners were familiar with. One being, you know, the kamikaze fighter pilots and the concept of willing to, you know, commit suicide on behalf on uh, on behalf of your army, your navy, your your emperor was was a foreign concept and is a foreign concept. And to be fair, when it came down to Pearl Harbor, while I, of course, not okay with it, we we should acknowledge that some of the pilots of the Japanese. We're not also not okay with it because one of the things that was taught to them was that it was dishonorable to attack a sleeping enemy. Well, that's exactly what happened on December 7th, 1941. And it was a Sunday morning that the Admiral Yamamoto was responsible for planning the attack of the naval base, the American naval base at Pearl Harbor. And he deliberately chose Sunday because he knew the United States, the, the America, even now, is a country that sees Sunday as a day of rest. And while not everybody necessarily goes to church on Sundays 1941, it was a different type of society and culture of thought. And a day of rest meant people slept in. So he meticulously chose Sunday to attack Pearl Harbor, knowing and having watched how the, the, uh, the, he watched the naval bases in Pearl Harbor and saw that Sundays were the slow days for the Americans to get up. So he used what he learned about our culture against us in the attack. And, of course, this launches us into World War Two, And as I said before, as the European theater, the, the war against the Nazis was coming to a close, the United States then really turned its attention to the Pacific. Now, they decided, the United States decided, that they would try their best to take Japan Island by island, this was not an easy task, uh, had many, many casualties. And one of the things that should have been a takeaway, especially when we, you know, think forward for Vietnam, was fighting on home turf is definitely something to consider. But the Japanese kind of already had some fallback plans. One of the things being, you know, they had carved tunnels into their their mountains and their hills And so, you know, it was kind of almost you playing on their home turf. They certainly had the advantage. Now, on April 1st, the United States launched what would be considered the Battle of Okinawa. And one of the battle sites is a place the Americans would call Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge was a steep cliff that the Americans did their best to take with the Japanese on top. Well, as everybody knows, it's a it is a uphill battle when the enemy has the high ground, and the Japanese did. Now, during this battle, many important Japanese castles were destroyed because the United States bombed them. And Hacksaw Ridge and, 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 and if this Hacksaw Ridge actually sounds familiar to you, it should, because it was actually a movie regarding a young man who refused to take up arms. He wanted to serve his country, but he refused to to fire a weapon. But either way, the United States landed on, on Okinawa. Okinawa now is clearly <laughs> nothing like it was when the Americans landed approximately 80 years ago. We saw a little bit of the tree foliage and the forest and, you know, thick jungle. And I just, when I was standing up on Hexall Ridge looking down, it really truly looked impenetrable. And it, again, with Japanese having the high ground, I certainly... Just, I mean, was in awe of the American tenacity to see this ridge and be like, "We're gonna take it. We're gonna take it." Now, like I said before, when they during the Battle of Okinawa, a lot of the ruins were destroyed, and Okinawa actually used to be. an entire kingdom of itself prior to the unification of all the islands that we now know as Japan. And so the castle that was, is called the Araso castle. And the interesting thing is, is again, they had their tunnels and their thick walls and their, the essence of what remained as a palace today. When we walk through it, it again, it, we came in from the back area there's no way to go up the hill the 400 steep hills stif- steep cliffs but they on top of the ruins of the castle and, and again it's really leveled the united states really had taken out the ruins and while they have rebuilt like the main outer walls the actual remnants of the palace are gone. So you could only see, like, the rimming of of the buildings. But in certain caves, you can see ancient burials. And today, the Japanese is still in the process of excavating this property simply to find out more of what life that was established in the palace of this castle there. Now, that was one of three castle r- ruins that we had the opportunity to see. Now, the second castle we had the opportunity to see was Suku Castle. And again, this castle was bombed by the United States, and they have rebuilt it. And it's interesting because you can kind of see the different stone, the different masonry, that was used to start the castle ruins, and you can kind of see the expansion. Now, Nakagasuku is a bigger and far more established castle. You get to walk through, and you kind of get an idea of where things were, and it is actually a site where you could still see where they would pray to the fire god or this was the palace room or over here. This is where they trained the horses, the, the emperor's horses. And so you kind of get a, a little bit better understanding of how things were done at this particular castle. Now, one of the things that drew me to this castle was there was a, an attempt to build a hotel actually near the particular grounds of this castle. Well, as it turned out, there were problems simply because, to my opinion, I think the grounds itself is haunted. And so when they were attempting to build the hotel, they had a lot of accidents. A lot of people reported seeing actual ghosts. And it got to the point where workers refused to continue building this hotel. And so now you actually kind of just see what they started the hotel ends up getting abandoned because of the ghosts and the accidents that were occurring on this property now this one is also on top of a hill and it it seemed to me like the japanese and this is completely understandable would place their their important palaces and castles on the hilltops, and again, with good reason. I mean, it is a, a form of defense. You can see, just like the Japanese saw the Americans coming, better if you have the high point advantage. Now, the third castle we had the opportunity to see was Kessarin. And this was pretty impressive, and they have have obviously gone through, and they're still going through, but you can do an audio tour and you can hear what the remnants of this area is about or the springs where lovers used to meet up and if they broke up, something bad would happen to one of them or, you know, this was the escape route for the emperor when this castle got attacked and, and you know, again, these are high points of the, of the mountains in Okinawa. So if you ever go to Okinawa, be prepared to walk some hills. Now granted, both Kessarin and Nagakasuku Castle, they, they actually like trolleyed us up. We got on a little cart, looking like a golf cart scenario, up the hill. So that did help. But, like Castle Araso, Gasuku, Hacksaw Ridge, basically, you have to walk up that hill after you park somewhat up the mountain. And again, with them being so high, you do actually get the opportunity to get a really good panoramic view of the areas surrounding these ruins. Now, interestingly enough, and kind of going back to Arasu, Gasuku Ruins, Hexar Ridge. One of the interesting things, and I will actually post this picture on the Facebook page. I got a picture of obviously a burial site for somebody of great importance, and this marker has the swastika, the Nazi symbol. And one of the things I don't think people realize is that prior to the Nazis using it as a symbol that represented them, the same symbol was actually for good and was intended for protection. And then maybe to some degree that's what the Nazis were like, We're the good we're the good race, we're the Aryan race. No, they're not. But for protection, something that might have been something they were willing to adopt to kind of encourage some sort of paganism on their part. I mean, I don't know. But, so it was interesting. So, but yes, I will definitely post these pictures of all the castles on the Facebook page. Now, before we move on from Hacksaw Ridge, I did want to mention, if you go up and over the upper, kind of the upper part of the hill and into like a trail through the forest, you go down some steps and you will actually come across a cemetery and the japanese just have these really impressive cemeteries that are immaculate well kept and you know this is obviously part of their culture where they honor their ancestors and those who have died before them but simply beautiful it actually looked like a city and it was like i said massive and just well kept in fact as we were driving around okinawa you can see the mausoleums, the little little mausoleums here and there in random places. But at the end of Hexall Ridge, it's almost the, all the mausoleums really truly look like a village. Now, also while we were there, we had the opportunity to go down to the Museum of Kasserin Castle, and. This was very interesting because they provided some short films of the history of Okinawa and how this one particular man had raised from, you know his, his, his a, a p- impoverished childhood to becoming an essential potential threat to the actual king of of all of Okinawa. And at the time, Okinawa was referred to as Ryukyu Kingdom at that time. And it was a very interesting story of his, I mean, it's a very short clip of his rise and how the king or the emperor was getting nervous about how powerful he was becoming and how he made him marry the emperor's daughter and how she had to turn her husband over to her father saying he's going to, you know, he's raising an army kind of scenario, so it was a, a little bit of a soap opera scenario that I was not anticipating, but very, very interesting now, getting back to the 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 World War Two scenario, one of the places we did actually go to was Peace Memorial in the southernmost area of Okinawa. This area is massive. We actually ended up running out of time because we decided. We found this like path down to the beach and we spent about an hour going down and an hour going up. It was a rather steep and very treacherous, if you will. But this Peace Memorial Museum is massive, absolutely massive. And one of the things that I did appreciate about it is on one side, they have the name of the Japanese soldiers that served and on the other side of this, it's actually kind of surrounding the Eternal Flame Fountain. On the other side, they have the Americans and the Allied soldiers, the names of the Allied soldiers who had perished in the Battle of Okinawa. And I was not expecting that. Uh, this was a impromptu visit. They did have a couple of buildings you can go into. And again, we just ran short on time. And it was interesting because there was a side area where, you know, I had mentioned earlier how the Japanese built tunnels, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but they were basically living in caves, especially when the United States and the Allies were obviously winning the Battle of Okinawa. They were trenched into caves and hid into caves. And so there was this one area where it looked as if the Japanese were kind of hiding out in this one section and you can see people leaving coins and cigarettes and just trying to, you know, give a little homage, if you will, to those who were there and obviously had died defending Japan. Now, there's another section and it was just all these memorials it was massive, but it got so dark and it was raining. And one of the things we kind of just said to ourselves, okay, well, this would be something that we would really want to consider coming back. So if you have the opportunity and you are headed to Okinawa, this Peace Memorial Museum is something that you may want to consider and set time, more time than we did, obviously, to explore. This area, because I I can't express this enough. This memorial is massive, and it, again, it has different sections. So, and after we visited, we actually decided to do something I'd never done before. We decided to try Mario Kart racing. Now we don't really get to race; that's not safe. But we did about an hour of kart driving go-kart driving through Naha, which is a major city in Okinawa. In fact, that's where the airport is. And I'll be honest, we the first half of the go-karts driving was very intimidating. The, the cars, even though they're actually really small by comparison to American cars, they're still big to a go-kart, okay? They're <laughs> just super big. But we took a break, and I was kind of able to kind of just take a breath, and kind of just, you know, just g- gave me a minute to kind of reset. So we started the second half, and he took us down what to me was very similar to like a Las Vegas-type strip. We just, I just ended up like raising my arm and shouting hello to everybody you know konnichiwa konnichiwa waving to everybody across the street waving to the people on the side of the other streets and it ended up as um one of the funny things that ended up happening was while we were at a light a group of young boys young young adult teenagers kind of like swarmed us and wanted a bunch of selfies and was getting on the go-karts and you know we, everyone was kind of like i mean We don't know what they're saying. I don't know if they know what we're saying, but we're like, hey, hi, 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 And it was actually fun, the second half anyways, when the fear and the terror kind of passed. So definitely one of the things I would highly recommend is the go-kart driving if that is your jam. Now, one of the things we did learn, and this is a travel tidbit, if you were intending to drive internationally, one of the things you may have to do is get an international driver's license. What does this mean? Do you have to go to DMV? No. You have to go down to your local AAA that processes the license. And it's a very simple form. It costs about $40. You either need to provide two, uh, two inch by two inch photographs for the driver's license or the one that we went to, they were able to take our picture and get that done that way. Now, I remember when I went to Ireland 15, 16 years ago. That was not a thing, but it was a requirement for us to do the go-karts in Okinawa. So there's your one of your travel tidbits. Now, before we leave Okinawa and head to Tokyo to talk about some of the things there and some of my tidbits about Japan, and some suggestions if you ever intend to go to Tokyo Disney, I wanted to share with you some of our really fun food experiences. We had the opportunity to go to a place where you order the raw meat, raw food, and then it's up to you to cook it over a stove to your best cooking skills, non-barbecue, indoor barbecue cooking skills. And my son had taken us to a place called Yakunikyu Ichiban Restaurant. And again, they gave us these tablets to place our order on, and then the waitress simply came out. It was actually very convenient, but I would not recommend doing this when you're hungry. After a whole day of walking around and just exhausted and hungry, and (laughs) then you realize you got to cook your own food, it's not necessarily conducive when you're having hangry, when you're in the midst of hangry issues. Another place that we went to that I think was the best place was, if you're into Poke Bowls, this is your jam. I'm talking about a place called morning bowls. Amazing stuff. They have like a brefix type uh scenario and then they have like a dinner type or lunch type scenario and everything looked amazing. Morning bowls amazing. Now the another place that we went to it was kind of like a chain place It's called Coco Curries and it's a simple restaurant. It's got chicken, it's got curry, it's got a lot of things. And just, you know, something kind of quick. You don't want to think about it. Kind of just sitting there because you're exhausted because you've been running around the hills of Okinawa. And and the other awesome thing about Coco Curries is they do actually have a drive-thru. So something to consider. As for a couple other places in Okinawa, I do want to mention that there was an area called the American village, and this is actually where we had our very first meal there. We wanted to try something called taco rice. You know, being Mexican, we're accustomed to tacos, we're accustomed to rice, and we wanted to see how the Japanese blended it. And in one of the places there was called Taco Rice Cafe depot island and it was absolutely amazing I took pictures I'll post but it was just you know an unusual experience and that's one of the things about going to other places trying new food now another place in the American village was the Kona's coffee it's way more than coffee it was just amazing in fact we tried their version of fried chicken amazing (laughs) One of the things to be cautioned of, if you like soy sauce, that's not necessarily their jam. In fact, I don't think I ever saw any soy sauce anywhere in any of the restaurants, even on even in in Tokyo uh, and, or, in, between Tokyo and Okinawa. So I ended up kind of snatching a couple of packets myself and bringing them with me uh, on my travels. Okay. Now, as I said before, we had ended up going to the suicide forest. We had taken a tour of the lake area, and this place was far from Tokyo. So we took a plane from Okinawa to Tokyo, and we immediately dumped our stuff at our Airbnb in Tokyo. Well, it was actually kind of on the outskirts of Tokyo. And then we shot over to this section that it, it's considered like a, a the Mount Fuji area if you will because Mount Fuji is literally right there and Mount Fuji is actually the highest mountain in Japan now one of the things i do recommend and write this down if you intend to do extensive traveling like that it is best to either book your train or a bus to the outer areas outside Tokyo. We almost didn't have the opportunity to get there simply because we did not book our tickets in advance, but we were able to score bus ride the last minute, and we actually ended up taking that same bus back the next day. Now, we went to the Kawaguchiko area where they had a multiple series of lakes. When we got to our Airbnb, everything was kind of upstairs. The, the living room, the, the main bathroom, the kitchen. And we had rolled up because we were late getting there. It was pitch dark. So when we got up the next morning, our Airbnb ended up having the most perfect picture window situated. And... It was almost as if Mount Fuji was in a frame. So it was kind of like you walked up the stairs. You kind of came around a corner. And then there was Mount Fuji. And it was kind of funny because nobody expected that. We didn't see Mount Fuji in the dark when we were walking there. And so it was really funny to kind of see. Oh, my God. That's Mount Fuji. Like right there. So we did do a tour. We had the opportunity to walk the suicide forest. Now... The suicide forest, it was about a 40-minute walk. We, there was actually some caves, too, that we were able to go into, an ice cave, and another type of cave. They were both cold and slippery, and I lost my glove in one of them, so... Oh, well. Either way. So let's talk about the forest. Now, in Japan, this is the one place, and throughout is renowned throughout the world, To be a place where people go to commit suicide. And at the beginning of the trail head. The tour guide that we had. She read it. The the sign to us. And it was basically an appeal. To the person who was contemplating suicide. And it said something to the effect of. Think of your mother. Think of your father. Think of your brothers and sisters. And again and it's appeal to somebody who's contemplating suicide to please not do this and you know one of the one of the things that sticks out to me is i remember Keanu Reeves saying to the effect when he was asked what do you think happens when we die his response was i think that the people that loved us will miss us and so but either way so we walked the trailhead from the from one cave to the other cave. And so unfortunately I kinda I kinda felt a little robbed because it had snowed like the week prior. So there was a lot of snow on the ground. And where I live there's a lot of snow on the ground. So I know to be very careful. But the thing is is that if you're kind of focused on not falling on slippery ice you don't really get a chance to look around and see the beauty of the forest that you're currently walking in. But I will say this. Some, it, the forest was creepy in the essence of there was no noise. There were no birds. And, again, I live in Northern California where it snows. And I even when I walk, because I do a walk every day at work, if not twice, and there's if there's snow on the ground, sometimes I could see animal tracks. I didn't see any animal tracks in the forest. And so the forest itself was completely silent. And it was just unnatural in the essence of you should be hearing birds or you should be seeing some sort of animal essence, footsteps, footprints and i asked the tour guide if she had ever come across anything unfortunate and she said that that they usually find one or two a month but that does not necessarily mean that's the the count because they don't always find the bodies but she said that they typically tend to go a little deeper into the forest So she had never had the unfortunate incident of finding somebody in the forest. But it was creepy. It wasn't like horror movie creepy, but it was like, you just, it didn't feel natural creepy. You know, something just didn't feel right creepy. Now, after this tour, we got on the bus and headed back to Tokyo. Or rather, I should say, the outskirts of Tokyo. The reason why we did decided to stay on the outskirts of Tokyo is because it was closer to Disney Sea Tokyo and Disneyland. I am a, a huge huge Disney fan and I have been very fortunate enough to click off a lot of the Disneyland boxes. Obviously Anaheim, Disney World in Florida, I had the opportunity to see and experience Disneyland, Euro Disney, and then this past week, past weekend, Tokyo Disney Sea and Tokyo Disneyland. So, Tokyo Disney Sea was our first park. This is a massive park, it is beautiful, and it has, in my opinion, some pretty decent rides. They have the Tower of Terror, which is my favorite ride. I know that in in Anaheim, it's been altered. But in Tokyo Disney Sea, it is not. Now, of course, the Japanese put their own spin on it, and they actually kind of did a really cool thing. In Anaheim, it was a hotel where these people, unfortunately, crashed in an elevator when it was struck by a lightning. Well, in Do- Tokyo Sea, it's the story of a, of a a man who collected relics around the world who lived in the penthouse of the hotel that he owned and uh, had operated. And he had gotten this cursed relic that essentially killed him. And the cool thing was you, they took you into a room where it was kind of like his main office. And they tell the story. And, of course, it's all in Japanese, which is fine but they tell the story and you kind of just you kind of get the gist. And then they show you the relic that he found, the cursed relic, and then it magically disappears right in front of you. And that was actually kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of impressed with that. And I went back a second time to see if I can kind of see how they did it. But no, no I, I couldn't see. But terror, the Tower of Terror is my absolute favorite ride. So then I got the opportunity to ride it twice. Also at Disney Sea, they have the Toy Store Mania, where you do the shooting with your wrists. We unfortunately didn't get a chance to do that because that was the one of the rides with the longest lines. They had Indiana Jones. They had this roller coaster ride, which I actually think was the Indiana Jones ride in Disney Euro, but I have not looked up to confirm that. It's just a suspicion. I actually enjoyed that little roller coaster ride. There's, they even do have this little mini loop-de-loop. And then they have one called Journey to the Center of the Earth, which bared strong resemblance to the Indiana Jones ride, with the last like five seconds doing this crazy speed speed ride closure. That was the one ride we stood the longest, and it felt like this was truly the journey to the center of the earth for how long it took. But I was not really impressed with the ride. In fact, so here's kind of my my thing, my issue, I suppose. This park is beautiful. They have spared no expense. And they had a lot of elbow room. I just kind of felt like if I had waited in line a two-hour ride, Or in line for for two hours for a ride. It should have been better. And I just felt like they have the room to make it better. And uh, I just kind of felt like, eh. Now, the next day, on Sunday, we went to Disneyland, Tokyo. And it's beautiful. This park is beautiful. They've done an amazing job. You get... The sum, the bulk of the rides, if you will, from Disneyland, Big Thunder Mountain, Haunted Mansion, Space Mountain. It's not been changed. It's the original Space Mountain. No hyperspace mountain. Star Tours is there, and they actually have this beautiful ride. It's an enchanted ride regarding. Beauty and the Beast. They have this beautiful castle that you go into and it's a fun little ride that you're in a teacup and you see the story of Belle and the Beast play out. It was a fun ride. The line was relatively long, but no complaints c- because for one this this ride was not I've never seen this ride before, so it was just beautiful. And again, I'll take I'll post pictures. You know, on the Facebook page of the ins and outs of this particular ride. And it was a great day. We were able to start the day off with Space Mountain and we ended with Space Mountain. And by comparison, we were able to do a lot more rides at Disneyland than we were at Disney Sea. Like, I'm not kidding you, the the line for Journey to the Center of the Earth really felt like I was going into it was taking as long <laughs> As it was, should to get into the center of the earth, it was just massive, and I just really felt like it wasn't worth it. Now, having said that, one of the things I would suggest, if you know none of these rides strike your fancy or if you don't really want to linger, is to buy a flux pass. You can certainly hit Tokyo Sea in the morning, hit you know two or three major rides, and then skip yourself over down to. Disneyland. And so that's the kind of thing you, the they kind of really did a good job setting up the floor plan. You take the regular Ke- Keo line, it's a red line, and I'm talking like like a BART or, you know, a railroad, and you get off at the Disney stop. You come down and then you can either walk in or you can take the Monorail. The Monorail will take you to Disney Tokyo Sea will take you to some of the hotels and then it'll take you to Disneyland and you just go in this circle, brings you right back to the train station and then you get back on the train and you go back to your original point of destination or or, origin point of origin. Now one of the things that we did do prior was we watched some videos about Disney Sea and in the in the videos, they recommend getting there early because people will show up very early to be first in line. And we found this to be true. When we showed up, the gates didn't open until 9-ish. When we showed up, it was about 8 o'clock, and the lines were massive. So it is something to consider. And we were told that February, this month, is when school's out, so a lot of extra people are checking out Disneyland and Disney Tokyo Sea. So it's kind of like the peak season. But my recommendation is, you know, hit the big ones and then use your Flex Pass to go to Disneyland. And just, I, I mean, we were able to do a lot more rides in Disneyland. And... We were very happy with that. I, we all kind of felt like it ended on a good note with, you know, having done all the rides that we wanted to. Now, let's talk a little bit about the culture and Japan and kind of what, what, what I really liked and kind of the things I was kind of, ah, uh, uh, about. about. <laughs> so, Everywhere we went, it was clean. Okinawa is um, older and maybe not as kind of up-to-date as, say, Tokyo. And to be fair, to be honest, you know, whenever we watch movies of places that, you know, we've never seen, we kind of rely on the images that the TV show or the movie shows us. And my only image of Okinawa was Karate Kid Part 2. And it was Mr. Miyagi's fishing village. Well, there was nothing on Okinawa that even suggested that. The buildings are a lot older. Uh, We didn't see, like, a whole lot of litter. We didn't see a whole lot of just, I mean, some of the buildings kind of looked ran down, yes, and and certain areas kind of look a little like they were storing a lot of junk, but it it just looked older, and some places looked didn't look so old and And then, in Tokyo, it just looked like there was a lot of high rise residential areas so some things to be aware of if ever you go to Tokyo, we went to sites in Okinawa, but walking around. Japan, Tokyo area was a different experience, a very different experience. And one of the things that kind of really started to irk me is that they don't have any garbage cans. And it was a little bit frustrating because they have a lot of vending machines in every direction and no garbage cans to throw away your trash. Even in the subways it was hard, you were hard-pressed to find a garbage can. In fact, I started resorting to putting the trash in the trash inside the bathroom stalls because there were no trash bins even in the actual bathrooms. So that was very frustrating. You know, you you they have all these little shops, you take away the little bento box and you kind of eat it on your go, and then you don't have a place to put it. You don't want to litter That makes you look like an asshole. Nobody wants to be that guy. And you don't, you shouldn't litter in other people's countries anyways. So, okay. That was kind of annoying. Let's talk about the bathroom. Now listen. They have, I always want to say beignets. It's not beignets. They have a thing for bidets. And I am not judging. Absolutely not judging. But one of the things that was really hard to to reckon with is that some of the bidets were heated. Now, just being frank, guys, being honest, being real, Americans don't like warm toilet seats because that means someone was just seated there for a really long time in a public bathroom And they were there so long they left their butt heat on the seat. And nobody likes feeling other people's butt heat on the seat when they're trying to go to the bathroom. It is an uncomfortable feeling. Americans mostly like their toilets to be like our butter. Cold, hard, and without justice. Okay, folks? We just, we don't like other people's butt heats. We don't like touching it. It's just it's it's just not our thing. Now I did become a little bit okay with it because understanding I'm not touching someone else's butt heat. Um, but it it took a moment. It really took a n- moment, and they kind of use a lot of cheap toilet paper because that is the point of the bidet to wash. You're, you know, to help assist in that area. Well, <laughs> that's nice. That's nice. But when you're not used to it and you kind of, you're given like a closet as opposed to a whole bathroom, it's the maneuvering. Maneuvering is hard in the bathrooms because the the. The not the beignets the the bidets are a bit bulky, you know. You have the buttons to do different things, and it just kind of limits your maneuvering. And you know, in certain times for the ladies, it's you gotta maneuver a little bit more. And it's just, it just it just it was a little difficult. It was a little difficult. And on top of everything, this did not help on top of everything and the public bathrooms for the most part and in some of the private ones they play nature sounds birds water running i promise you i i don't need that in fact i need silence to focus so it was just there was a lot there was just too much going on just my butt is warm, This birds flying above me, water could be spraying, it's just, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot. So just something to be aware of. And the other thing is, you know, we rented two Airbnbs, the second we walked in the door, they, they did ask that we remove our shoes, and even though they provided slippers, that was not necessarily the most comfortable transitions, because for one, these are other people's slippers. It's kind of like the toilet. You don't like putting your feet in other people's shoes. And there's slippers that you're not used to maneuvering in. And so, you know, it's just one of those things where you just do your best to get along to get along. and But, again, it's something to be aware of. It's a a Japanese cultural thing, and, you know, it works for them. And you just want to be respectful. But one of the awesome things I did want to mention and we did do this, especially in the nights that we were in, t- in the outer skirts of Tokyo. And we ran late leaving um, the Disneyland Disneyland parks. Is they do have Uber food delivery, Uber Eats. So if you have it or don't have it before you head out, it is something to really consider downloading, and keeping your you know cell phone service in order to order. All right, so that is what I have for you tonight. On to business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. As I ha- repeatedly mentioned tonight, we have a Facebook page. If you are curious or interested would like to join, send us a request at Where the Dark Corners Are Facebook page. And if you have a place that you would like us to touch base on, kind of explore the dark corners of said place, send me a request at Where the Dark Corners Are at gmail.com. So, until next time, please remember only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why we, me, hope to see you where the dark corners are.